Can we just give it up for Brother Shane one more time? Thank you, Shane. <laughs> ah, that song, Spirit of the Living God. It's funny, I was thinking about it this morning, Shane, because it's one of the very first simple songs of praise I ever learned as a little boy at Camp Chill Howie in the Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee. Every morning we'd gather around this little creek before we go into breakfast and all of us kids would sing this song and it just got so implanted into me that now it's, it's almost like breathing, uh, this song is. I'm so thankful, Shane, that you shared it just now. Uh, I, my name is Matthew, I'm one of the pastors here and if you are with us right here, welcome. If you're online, welcome. Uh, we're just delighted to be able to connect today. We've got a great day. And uh, by the way, you heard Ryan Fair just a little while ago. Four folks just last weekend in our services came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. I mean, this is such exciting. A uh, young man came up and he said, uh, I understand I'm supposed to have my name in the book of life. How do I do that? And uh, off, off the conversation went. And so, I mean, God is on the move in our midst, and we praise him, and we bless him, and we honor him, and, uh, and Lord God, we welcome you here into this place as we are together. Um, now, uh, before I get underway, I just, I've got to remind you of something, that is how very loved you are, how very seen you are by the mighty God, amen? Don't forget it. Do not forget it. Randy Alcorn Randy Alcorn is a renowned Bible teacher and author, and he has made the observation that one of the reasons the very early Christians found such favor in their community was because of their generosity, because of their generosity. Consider, for example, a picture of that generosity from the New Testament book of Acts. Just listen. You don't need to go there as much. Just, just hear what the scriptures have to say. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Awe, awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Their generosity was changing lives. To this, Randy Alcorn writes these words. You'll see them in front of you on the screen. I want you to listen what he's got here. Their generosity demonstrated the life-changing power of the gospel. As thunder, hear me now, as thunder follows lightning, giving follows grace. When the lightning of God's grace strikes us, the joyful giving should follow. And that is the story of the early Christians. God had done an incredible work. As Brother Shane said here a minute ago, the mighty God has come and done something 
taken broken people and set them free. And their response is one of generosity. The lightning of God's grace has struck and the thunder of generosity is what followed. And it captivated the people around them because they didn't see this normally. But now they were seeing this incredible humility, altruism, and goodness. The man Moses, the man Moses, he spent much time thinking about the lightning of God's grace. Last weekend when we started this big conversation, we turned our attention to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. The book of Deuteronomy is the longest sermon in the Bible. It is Moses' sermon. The vast majority of the book is his message there right before he passes the leadership baton to another man. Right before he passes into the presence of the Lord. And in the middle of this sermon, we come to a place called Deuteronomy chapter 26, where we find out something about God seeing us as we wander, meeting us in the midst of that, rescuing us and rewarding us with his goodness and mercy. It's a great story. And indeed, what we talked about last weekend was that in those verses that are there in the passage, a creedal statement is put forward by Moses. Uh, a creedal statement is a declaration of faith, a declaration of principle. It is a celebration of, of some great act. And uh, this is presented right there in Deuteronomy chapter 26. And I want to invite you to follow along with me again as we look at it. Deuteronomy 26 verse 5. Here we go. Moses says, you shall make a response before the Lord your God. And then he offers, a wandering Aramean was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great and mighty and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. And then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, this is the creedal statement that Moses is inviting the people to take hold of. And they did take hold of it. And they would sing this song throughout the centuries, even finding it as a key part of the Passover feast today among our Jewish friends. And at the end of our time together last weekend, I gave a, a homework assignment, you may recall, and that was for you to craft your own creedal statement about God's rescue and his reward in your life, how he has liberated you through the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and how he has rewarded you with eternal life now and forever. And I've been getting creedal statements all week. This has been fun. Texts, emails, direct messages through social media. Uh, this has been so great. They've been incredible. I am loving what I've been reading from so many of you. And, and 
my dad even sent one from, from Tennessee. It's like I get an email from dad. Oh, it says, says creedal statement. Wow, this is great. All right? This is so good. Here's the thing. I didn't tell you the whole story last week. We didn't look at all of the creedal statement last week. We only looked at most of it. The part where God meets us where we are, rescues us by his power, and then rewards us with his mercy and goodness. That is to say, Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his session with his Father, the fact that he's coming again in glory means that Sin and death and the devil and fear and filth and shame and condemnation no longer have the final word, amen? And this is part of the creedal statement of our lives. And by the way, if you've not latched on to that Jesus, now is the time to do so. Call on him and ask him to forgive you. Tell him, I need you as my Savior and Lord beginning now. Tell him in faith, call on him. But understand... That all of that is a marvelous part of a principal statement about what God has done, but it's not the whole story. There's one more piece that Moses includes, and it's in verse 10. So if you look there, Deuteronomy 26, verse 10, here's what we read. Here's what we read. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me. That's the last part of the creedal statement. And then Moses actually adds a little bit of commentary there. He says, and you shall set this down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. We'll talk more about that next weekend, Lord willing. But here we have this, this addendum, if you will, to the creedal statement. It is God rescues, listen to me now, God rewards, and he's done this most chiefly through the Lord Jesus Christ, but then Following the rescue and the reward is a response of the people. Do you hear that? Following the rescue and the reward is a response of the people. And the response is, right here, bring the first of the fruit of the ground which the Lord has given. It is a response of generosity. And when we look at this verse, there are two action items that stand out to me that merit our attention. I want to share those with you in order here. Here's number one. Action item number one. Give boldly. Give boldly. Give boldly. The lightning of God's grace had struck the Hebrew people. God, in a marvelous and mighty way, liberated them from their slavery in the land of Egypt. Still more so, the God uh, of power and might and mercy, well, his lightning of grace has struck us, and Jesus Christ has liberated us sinners from our bondage to sin and from damnation. Praise God. Praise God. And because this is so, because this is so, our response is to want to return joyful, bold generosity unto him, to give boldly back as it were. And when we look at verse 10, it is the verbs there that help us. And I know, I know I can geek out on this sort of thing. And sometimes people go, well, he's, he's just geeking out on these sort of things. And that's fine. I'll take it. This is important. 
Because the verbs there in the first part of this verse in the ancient tongue are what are called perfect verbs. And what that means is their action is completed at least in thought, if not in real time. Their action is already completed, it's already certain, at least in thought, if not in reality. And the idea here is that the, the, uh, what, what we see in the text here of this, this um, bringing of the fruit by the people uh, and the giving of resources by God both of these, the bringing and the giving, are so thoroughly accomplished, so thoroughly complete, even before, even before they've actually happened because of a predetermination and a resolve to see them through. In other words, what is presented here is this, this serious, certain, intentional predetermination to be generous to God because God has predetermined with certainty to be generous to us. And so there is this coming together of both the people and God with this resolve that generosity is going to blossom. Now let me ask you a question. When you think of your material resources, your money, do you think about Certainty, intentionality, resolve, completion. Do you have a sense of commitment to the whoop and wharf of your finances? And you imagine how you're going to leverage them with that kind of seriousness, boldness, if I can say it. Well, let me assure you, that's what Moses had in mind. In Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 2, we read this. This is before the creedal statement. Moses says to the people, You shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. In other words, generosity, generosity is something that is thought of, is planned, there's preparation, there's imagination, there's vision. You are predetermining the measure, the fullness, the extent to which you are going to go and present yourself to God, present your wares to God. Do you think that way? I'll tell you, I don't always think that way. It is so easy for me to take completely for granted whatever financial resources I have. I, I take them for granted, I, I use them, I, I try to be generous, but to me that's more of an afterthought more often than I wish to admit. Jesus gives some wisdom around this. Jesus himself, in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, he says this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Now notice this intentionality here, the predetermination Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. As a matter of fact, earlier in the uh, story of the Hebrew people, after they come out of their slavery in Egypt, there they are in the desert, and Moses puts out a cry. He says, 
if you will please bring your contributions forward so that we can build a tabernacle, a worship center. And according to Exodus chapter 35, the people did this, but I want you to notice something very important here. Exodus 35 verse, verse uh, 20 finds the people uh, Doing this, Moses makes this call, and according to verse 20, all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Wait a minute. He just asked them to bring their contributions, and now they're departing from his presence. What's going on? Listen to me here. They're going to get it, Leroy. That's exactly right. They're going to think about it. They're going to ponder it. They're going to pray about it. They're going to evaluate what they got. They're going to go before God, talk to each other, predetermine how it is that when they give, they can give boldly. They can give completely. They can be so committed to it, they're not holding back. It's not haphazard. It's not a second thought. And as a matter of fact, that next verse, verse 21, says, Therefore, then they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him, everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of the meeting and all of its service and so forth. So they went away and they thought about it, considered it, pondered it, prepared, came back and presented and they kept presenting and kept presenting. Do you see this? They kept going and kept going because they had determined ahead of time what they can do. They kept it up. And you get to chapter 36, and we get to verse 3, and the people that are receiving the goods, they make this commentary. They say, or the text says, they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought forth. They still kept bringing free will offerings every morning. And then they went on, and it says here, the people... Uh, were so committed over and over and over again to doing this. Finally, Moses in verse 30, or I'm sorry, chapter 36, verse 7, had to say, stop, we have enough now. Wouldn't that be a great problem to have? Could your generosity be such toward whatever it is you're going to apply it that those receiving would say to you, enough? Imagine, imagine that. Hear me now. When the lightning of God's grace strikes, why would we not respond with thunderous, noisy boldness? Generosity. And by the way, hear me now. Let us not just simply think about material things. Let us also imagine a heart that is tender and warm to those around us. Hands that are helping. Ears that are listening. Generosity looks a whole lot more than just simply material, financial, and so forth. It might mean your proximity to somebody else. It might mean the time you give. Like Brother Shane talking about how, well, I, I went on this one night, and 18 years later, I'm still going. All right? That's generous. So don't limit your imagination about generosity to merely dollars and wallets. What about your worship? What about your friendships? What about your praying? What about your service? Number one, give boldly. Number two, give wholly. 
Now this holy is W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, think holistically. Now when we look in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 10, we see Moses invite the people, he tells the people to put forward their fruit of the ground. Now the fruit of the ground, uh, understand these people are an agrarian people. They work crops, they work livestock, and so forth. When he's talking fruit of the ground, generally speaking, he's speaking to the fruit of your labor. Whatever your labor is, the fruit of that, bring it forward. Bring it forward. But then he's more specific. He calls it the what? The first fruit. Now, this is important here. I want you to listen with me here. When I think of first fruit, it's easy for me to think of just a token. I'm going to give you a token. I'm going to give you something, and I'm going to keep the rest. Do you hear that? Bring the first fruit of your resources. Okay, well, I'm going to give you a token. Here's, my, here's, my, here's a piece for you, and then I'll keep the rest. Now, we do this a lot, for example, uh, with money. Uh, traditional Christian thinking about money uh, relates to the tithe. We've talked about this before. We talked about it quite a bit last fall even. The tithe. And traditionally, for right or wrong, however you want to characterize what a tithe might be, and there are arguments on all kinds of sides as far as Christians go, but traditionally a good rule of thumb is for Christians to give 10% of their income to the work of Christ, to their church and so forth. And, uh, and, and, and so, uh, by the way, uh, something we said this past fall, and I want you to hear this when, we, when we're talking about it then, is that evangelical Christians in the United States right now, their median giving is 0.59%. Did you hear that? 0.59%. And, and that's in the face of a traditional rubric of 10%. 0.59. Now, by the way, the average giving, that's median, the average giving among evangelicals is 2%. At New Hope Church, as best as we can discern, our average giving among our church family is 3 to 4%. And I say that as something worth celebrating. Can we just praise the Lord for the generosity of this church family? Because understand, that's almost twice the average of any church in the United States. Did you hear that? And we might wish, oh, we, we, well, how can we move that from two to three or from three to four or, or five to six? Or, that's a great question for God to work with you on. And I, I want to encourage you to wrestle with the Lord about that. But praise God that already our congregation is quite generous. Praise the Lord for that. But the, the bigger point I'm trying to make here is this. I fall into, and maybe you do too, this token thing, this portion thing. I'll give you a P. I'll give you two percent or three percent or ten percent, and the rest is mine. Problem is, that's not how the text works, because what you see with the language that Moses puts forward here when he talks about first fruits, well, that word first doesn't speak to contrast like this versus that. That word first in the ancient tongue. Uh, in the Hebrew language, it's the word rosh, and it has the idea of representing the whole. And so it's commonly used to describe a chief of a tribe or the summit of a mountain. And we would never say that the chief of the tribe is apart from the tribe. No, he's a representative of the whole tribe. 
And we would never say the summit of a mountain is apart from the mountain, distinct from it. No, it represents the entire mountain. And the same with our finances, our first fruits of our labors. It's not apart from the totality of our finances. It's not just a token portion. It represents all of it. And so when we give, we are saying all that we have is his. Everything we have is his. This isn't just a token. It is a symbol that I know that all that I have belongs to him. Materially, friendship-wise, talent-wise, spiritual gift-wise, you name it, all that I have is his. Now, I love weddings. I've done more weddings than I can remember over nearly 30-some years. One of my favorite weddings was a number of years ago. It was a couple. They were both actors, very, very successful actors. And they came to me at the rehearsal dinner the night before the wedding, and they said, Pastor, uh, would you tomorrow during the wedding, when we come forward and before you sit, everybody, will you, will you start the service with the, um, the, the marriage commentary from the Princess Bride movie? And I said, well, what do your moms say? And they said, well, it was our mom's idea. Oh, okay, then all right, we're good. And so the next day, sure, I mean, I was practicing all morning this. The next day, sure enough, the wedding, the doors open, the bride comes down, everybody's standing, they come down front. Uh, and before another thing is said and done, I look at the whole audience and I said, wedge. Marriage is what brings us together today. From the Princess Bride. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, we need to have a conversation. You need some cultural schooling. But weddings, they're so beautiful. They're fun. One of my favorite parts of a wedding is when the bride and the groom exchange rings with each other. And every time that happens, I always employ this statement that they are to say to one another, all that I am and all that I have, I honor you. With all that I am and all that I have, I honor you. And that is the import of what Moses is doing here when he says the first fruits, all that I am, all that I have is for you. King David underscores this in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, here's what he has to say. Uh, particularly uh, verse 14 and following, David says, Who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? He's talking about financial uh, offerings. He says, For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. In other words, all things come from you and everything we've given back to you is yours already. My goodness. For we are strangers before you and sojourners, wanderers, if you will, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and therefore, and there is no abiding. O oh Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for your building of this house. This is relating to the building of the temple during Solomon's reign, uh, just as David was setting it up. He says, all of this is from your hand and is all your own. And so when we say, all that I am and all that I have is for you. What we're saying is, God, you've given me everything and I'm giving it back to you. So here, 
friends, is a challenge for you and me. All we have is his. We are channels of his generosity. How bold are you? How holistic are you in that? All of it. Or is it token, portions, bits and pieces? Dictionary.com, that great and reputable site, like everything else on the internet. Dictionary.com has this definition of generosity. Generosity is readiness or liberality in giving. Freedom from meanness or smallness of character. Notice that, by the way. It's not just about material things, but it's also about the nature and condition of the heart. Selflessness, largeness, or fullness. Now, I want, if you guys will keep that screen up there for about 15 seconds, wherever you are, at home or abroad or right here, I want you to look at that and I want you to weigh every word. Readiness or liberality, freedom from meanness or smallness of mind or character, selflessness, largeness, fullness. I have a question I I want you to imagine here. So in in Deuteronomy 26, verse 5, remember last week we, we started off and I read it a bit ago. Moses says, make a response. And that statement, make a response, literally means give a testimony or be a witness. And so here's the question for, for you and, and for me that I need you to deal with. How might generosity, listen to me now, how might generosity aid in giving witness to what Jesus has done for you? How might generosity be used as a testimony, a witness, a response to how Jesus has worked in your life? What would that look like for you? That's what the early Christians, that's what they were known for. Oh, they're a generous people. I, I want to know more about why, who, and how. Could somebody ask that for you? She's a generous person. Why? Well, there was this rescue, and there was this reward, and here is my response. Friends, Hear me now. The lightning of God's grace is brilliant and powerful and has struck us hard. The thunder that follows includes generosity. Will you step away, ponder, and pray, and then come back with a bold, and holy response. So Father, give us your mind and your wisdom around these things. Give us vision, imagination. Help us to predetermine by the counsel of your spirit. Help us to move so that our actions are, as it were, completed even before we begin. Let us be that decisive, that intentional, that bold. May we recognize that you don't give yourself in pieces and neither should we. 
all that I am, all that I have. With these, I honor you. Oh, God of heaven, may it be that every one of us will add to our own personal creedal statement, here's how you saw me and met me and saved me through the blood of Jesus Christ. And among the ways I'm going to give witness is generosity that looks like this. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand with me if you're able?